Well, welcome to Chi Talks. I'm Javi and uh, happy to be um, joined again by uh, my partner, Nona, for Chi Talks, where it's all about the energy. If everything is made of energy, then we have a lot to discuss. Uh, first off, I just want to say welcome back and uh, we missed you and I think the uh, listeners have also missed you and I'm looking forward to our conversation today as we are uh, having an interesting discussion uh, with our uh, old pal uh, Anoop. And uh, we're going to be talking about the yin chi method and I feel like we can revisit this concept of rebuilding the social landscape where I kind of brought up this theme a couple of months ago. We had a episode with a, a mediator and uh, the author of Peace at Work, John Ford. We talked about rebuilding the lo local landscape uh, within, the, within the context of conflict management, conflict prevention, and um, amongst divisiveness and uh, polarization which was all prior to current events, where now we find, us, uh, find ourselves at the edge of uh, um, you know, nuclear catastrophe, possibly world war. Um, so this is a, a, another uh, unfolding, if you will, of current events. And uh, so it's very interesting that I, uh, to, I think to talk about current events and use the context to talk about uh, Qigong theory and Qigong applications, which I think we're going to get deep in, into today. Uh, and so our guest today is uh, Anoop, and uh, we met him on the mountain, uh, also uh, training with Dr. Yang. And gosh, I can't remember, maybe six, seven years ago now? Long time ago. Long time ago. Long time, and yeah. uh, Anoop's going to be sharing with us um, what's called the Yin Qi method. And... Um, Let's dive right in. Let's first ask Anoop to kind of uh, tell us a little bit about the Yin Qi method, but also a little bit how you got into Qigong and what inspired you to search for the energy in the Eastern concept. All right, so I'll, I'll start with that, um, the second part there. Uh, for me, I started, um, I was a weightlifter damaged my spine weightlifting you know um went to tai chi to figure out a way to heal it really is i wanted to learn the movement how to restore the discs of the spine how to get better alignment how to get better movement all that kind of stuff um so i went to tai chi found dr yang reached out to dr yang on an email he said to come out to the mountain i had a little money so i came out to the mountain for a week changed my life Cause I got to experience what it was like to be in a training environment and like I like to train so it just changed my mentality on things and that introduced more intensity into my life which is both good and bad you know depending on how you handle that um, I started training every day and looking more into like the chi side of things of you know because for me I was looking to heal my back so I needed to understand the energy and how to really bring chi and like healing energy to my back and so I, I looked at all of Dr. Young's chi gongs I, I found a lot of benefit from like the spine waving and that kind of stuff too 
but I really wanted an understanding of like what the energy was itself. And I remember reading a book while I was at the retreat center called Bioenergetics. Um, I don't know what the exact title was, but it was on Bioenergetics is one of the books in Dr. Young's library there that he has. And in that book, it introduced that the cells put off bioenergy. And that concept got me interested because I, I knew about like, I grew up around yoga, so like um, just your typical yoga and seeing like the Indian uh, movies and stuff about yoga. So knowing like they're talking about people levitating, creating things out of thin air, stuff like, like crazy stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, if this stuff is real, how would it work, right? Because, well, science talks about materialization of physical objects, maybe not science that we have, but science fiction. So it's in other people's minds too. And like these concepts for me is like, well, where does reality and the dream meet? Where do they merge? Where do they blend? And how can I, you know, come from the dream realm, you know, with lucid dreaming and things like that. So at the same time as studying yoga, at the same time as studying Tai Chi, at the same time as studying like dreams, consciousness, all that kind of stuff. Um, I found a teacher named uh, Richard Clear, who taught me a lot of high level things about Tai Chi. But um, and I liked I liked all of that. And I still train pretty much all of it to this day. But I also came across another teacher named Sifu Jones, and he, he, he said the Tai Chi is good, you know, and it's good for what it does. And it's really it, it can be good for what you're talking about, about building societies, because you see in China, you see the people in the park, they're going in the park and they're doing it. And you see the community there, you see the culture of respect and dignity and that kind of stuff. You see, Maybe not in today's China, but, you know, in in China that we remember anybody who's been around the martial arts scene a little bit knows how China used to be with the martial arts and, you know, what happened there with the Communist Party and all of that, not getting too much into it. But, you know, that's the major thing there is with Tai Chi, you can build a society. So when I found about the energy work itself, I started thinking, well, how does this work in um, the yin chi energy work how does this play into building a society and the main thing in yin chi energy is having good energy and in a good society you don't have bad things happen because people feel good the inherent reason why bad things happen is because people feel bad if you don't feel bad you're not going to go out and do a bad thing unless you're just really really crazy and the amount of people that go out and do bad things and feel good about what they're doing is much less than the amount of people that are doing bad things because they feel bad about themselves. That's the higher majority there. The ones that feel good and like are going and killing people or hurting people or robbing or whatever and feeling really good about that, they're a special, they, they got something else going on there. But the average person who's committing crimes and harming people and doing things like that, they're just, they're in a bad place. So they're doing this because they're trying to get out of the way they're feeling. It's not necessarily the situation we escape. Sometimes we love the situation, but we try to escape the feeling because that feeling of badness, we can feel it in our body and feel it in our bones. We can feel it in our spirit, in our consciousness. When you're not feeling good for whatever reason, it's visceral. That was a lot, but...
That was great, thank you. Nona, welcome back. Let's have you respond and... Uh... Good to be back and I've enjoyed your last few shows and, and really excited about the, the work that you've been doing. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, so it's interesting when you talk about Qigong, first of all, um, you know, in terms of healing and then it sounds almost like you're taking it to the next, um, to another zone when you talk about societal healing too, uh, the potential for not just internal healing, but outward healing um, in our societies. And um, it's interesting because when I hear the word good, good and bad, I go, to, I have to really pick apart those words, the, uh, right. the words that you're using, because right. in terms of philosophy, or um, even what our teacher, Dr. Young talks about in ancient stories, there's no good, no bad, like things are just the way they are in like Dallas flow philosophy. So there must be some way that we can um, relate to the terminology. That and that's that's a terms. really good question. And the way, not to interrupt you, but like the way I feel about it, is that everybody has an inherent moral compass of what's good and what's bad. Like the other day I talked to a girl that was from the hood and she was saying, I saw a guy go to jail because he killed somebody in self-defense. I didn't know you could go to jail for killing somebody in self-defense. And what she was really saying is what that guy did was not a bad thing. Why is he in jail? You see what I'm saying? It was good that he Sure, somebody died, but given the circumstances and everything that was going on in that situation, a good thing happened, and now he's in a bad place. So I agree with you. What is good? What is bad? You know what I'm saying? And it's very personal what is good and what is bad, but everybody at the end of the day has their own compass of what is good and what is bad, and that's really what I think they should follow. Not saying if you think killing is good, you should go kill people or hurt people or whatever. But I'm saying if you do that, and that is the way you think, you're going to run into enough bad from society that along the way, you're going to start saying, hey, is this really good? Whether you say it consciously, subconsciously, or in your spirit, you're going to say it some way or another. And you're going to be wondering that. And that's going to be eating at you. And you're going to be fighting that. You're going to keep trying to feel good about what you're doing, but it's going to eat at you that what you're doing is bad. So I feel like, yes, the human decides what good and bad is, but also going back to the society that we're talking about, so does the society. The society that we live in is also a determining factor in as far as what good and bad is. And I've learned from some um, old masters from like the Indonesian islands, who got the refinement of the arts from China and they say, well, there's, there's no how it's supposed to be. You just, you just do it and it's done. And, and that's, that's the culture where, where they're from. Everybody's carrying a blade. Everybody's moving around with the blade. Everyone's got that kind of intent going on and you gotta be, you gotta be, you know, you gotta be with it. Otherwise you're gonna, bad things are gonna happen to you and you want to stay good. So it, it, it still comes into the conversation, even when the circumstances of what's good and bad are different. Oh, yeah, and I think it's interesting because I have a science background, too, and as far as, you know, setting up science experiments and what is, what things 
you know, are closer to truth, the closer they are to truth is like the more repetition that you can show using the same right. parameter controls. And so you, I think you're saying you have to temper your own truth with that of the repeated experiences well, of other it, in society, it, in the community. It, it begins like that. It begins like that. But in the method, what you're doing is you're training a cultivation of serotonin release. Um, that's not the only thing you're doing, but that's one of the things that happens is your, your body learns to release serotonin and that's a mood stabilizer. And it, it, that serotonin release will put you in a good place. Like you will feel good. Um, the okay, thing, great. Yes. Feel good. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to, that was going to be my, my, the second part of like narrowing that conversation down was what does good and bad mean in terms of inside the body? Cause yeah. now you get specific as to yeah. how it relates to so it, an easy way of looking at that is health and inflammation inflammation is bad health is good now that's not always the case sometimes you want inflammation when you're fighting a cold right that kind of stuff you want to heat up when you're fighting a cold but in most situations the inflammation is bad and the healthy state is what you want to be considering as good and you know that's kind of how that's looking there so like, I wanna, good. well, I was just going to say, I want to kind of like share the way that I'm processing all this information within the context of Qigong in the, in the context of like martial Qigong, the ultimate good and bad is like life and death, right? In terms right. of martial arts, Qigong, self-defense, if you're dead, that's bad. Yeah. Um, if you stay alive, it's good. If you sure. help others live well, that's that's good. Of course, there could be you know uh, nuance in that. If you're killing people, um, that's bad. In terms of like uh, medical qigong, in terms of uh, health and well-being in the body, like I think we're talking about peace, harmony, um, ease, relaxation, this uh, serotonin release is good, right? Yeah. Um, but in well-being, like fear, anger, you know, resentment, this would be bad. Of course, now there could be nuance in that and say, well, if you use the bad to transform good, you know, good, if you use bad energy to transform it into good energy, then, you know, it's not uh, quote unquote, you know, bad in that way. So does that, I think that kind of help. that's how I'm processing like the conversations Yeah, because so well far. There's two ways of healing. One way is let me take this bad energy and convert it into good energy, right? That's one way to go about things. And that's a valid way, that'll work. Um, another way to go about things is let me take this bad energy and drown it in so much good energy that it gets dissipated, that it gets disintegrated, that it gets dissolved because so much good energy hit it that it can't even stay there anymore. It can't be there in the presence of that good energy. So, you know, then you're healing without actually destroying the, you're not destroying the bad energy. You're not even converting the bad energy. You just neutralize it into nothingness. And I think that's closer to, well, that's one of the things I hear when we talk about Tai Chi is like neutralizing into nothingness and then returning and things like that. Like those are the kind of language we hear thrown around when we're talking about Tai Chi. So when I think about a healing modality, well, going back to Nona said, what's most true? 
and I search for the highest order of truth, right? Because that's going to be ultimately what's most scientific. And what, what's most scientific is what we can prove, what we can show, what we can demonstrate. But it's not just documentation in the lab because there's also experiential um, knowledge, experiential data, the feeling. Dr. Yang talks about the feeling. Um, in Siva Clear School, we call it Ting, you know, listening, the feeling, that kind of stuff. That's part of discerning truth. That's part of that scientific process and being a scholar um, on the path, right? Because as a scholar, you're, you're discerning, well, what's good information and what's bad information kind of playing off of your, um, you know, your perspective there. Awesome. All right. So you, I, it should also be mentioned because you gave a little bit about your background, weight, weightlifting, um, you also were on track to become a doctor as well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I was, um, I was in the medical, I was a pre-med student, but I learned within my first two years of pre-med that if I was looking at doing radiation oncology, like cancer treatment, and um, I wanted to, because I saw what the current cancer treatment was doing to the bodies, is poison it's destroying body sure it's killing cancer but it's killing the body too that's not a solution that's not an acceptable solution by my standards so i'm not comfortable with that so i wanted to get into cancer therapy and cancer research to create cures pretty soon i found out that doctors that were producing cures for cancer were showing up missing um and this was before i knew any martial i took taekwondo as a kid so i had and i was i was like I wasn't like, I didn't get picked on that kind of stuff, but like, I didn't have problems that way, but I wasn't a fighter. Like I didn't get in fights um, growing up, that kind of stuff. So I had a martial arts background as far as the disciplines and focusing the mind, body, and the spirit, that kind of stuff from doing Taekwondo basic, but nothing real martial. Like if I get in a fight, I know how to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't have that. I just had confidence that I was going to do whatever I had to do. And that was it. But um, going back to, I got off a tangent there. What, what was the main point? Uh, pre-med. Oh, pre-med. Yeah, 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 yeah. Going back to pre-med, this is why I said all that. It's because I realized it was very likely that um, I could get harmed doing going the path I was going in pre-med. And I had no idea what I was going to do about that. Um, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be one of those cases where he said, doctor uh, commits suicide at age 43, found dead under a bridge. That's what would happen if I produced the type of research I wanted to produce in the way that I was initially going to do it, because I didn't understand the game. And I didn't understand how to play. So my first instinct was, well, I got to learn martial arts. Um, so I, I had multiple motives. It wasn't just the back injury for finding Dr. Yang and going after the martial arts. That was a very important aspect of it but also the, I need to learn martial arts in order to protect myself or at least have some situational awareness so I can figure out how to deal with this, this situation. Cause I had no idea how to face the situation of that social environment that was being created, which is the health industry. So that's an environment I'm personally focused on healing, um, you know, with what I do now and the, the things I'm working on now. So yeah, yeah, that's um, good. Obviously, 
I'm Javi. You're listening to Chi Talks, and uh, lucky enough to have my co-host Nona on this episode as we pre-record today. And we're talking with uh, Anoop Aramajur. How'd I do there? Aram Raju. Aram Radu. Anoop Raju. Aram Radu. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, Anoop is a is a a longtime friend, and uh, he's sharing with us today the Yin Chi method. So tell us about the Yin Chi method. All right. So let's get into it. So um, Yin Chi method. Well, I'll um, I'll actually throw the question back at you, Javier. And since, since I've showed you, so I've I've been showing yeah. Javier some aspects of the Yin Chi method and how it works and stuff. So I'm gonna actually have him introduce what he thinks okay. he is, what what it is. Okay. Based on All right. Cool. Cool. So yeah, I've. Um, in preparation for this talk today, I was also experimenting with the yin chi method, which is a uh, um, a simple meditation, um, qigong exercise and, and technique. Um, simple until you start doing it. And then like a lot of qigong, all these questions start coming up. And then you have the intellectual mind that comes up. And uh, so for me, I'm very intellectual. I have the mind, you know, with all these thoughts. And so that, that's why I think I gravita gravitate towards martial arts because it puts me into my body, takes me out of my mind, my upper Dantian and into my, you know, body awareness. Um, this, this technique, so it starts with holding the energy ball between the hands and uh, visualizing a cotton ball, or as you suggested, a snowball. And then taking that over the whole body, passing through the top of the arm, the yang side of the arm, the yin side of the arm, goes through the torso, yang side of the leg, down to the feet and the toes, yin side of the leg, passing through the yin side of the other leg, and then the yang side of the leg, coming up the torso, uh, again through the yin side of the arm, yang side of the arm, and back to where it originally started. And so you had guided me to continue to do this. It was you, in terms of like how long or how many repetitions, you said search for the cool uh, feeling and uh, try to build on that coolness and that, that feeling, which is what I was searching for and exploring. Um, and I think that I was successful at, at some points, um, but there was a lot of questions that came up. And the, the question ultimately, a lot of times, you know, with Qigong is like, am I doing it the right way? Are the sensations that I'm having, are they the correct sensations? And so this is like the scientific, um, it's, it's great. This is like the personal uh, experiential scientific process when it comes to Qigong. And it really points to the, the notion of work and having to uh, go through the process, the arduous process of cultivation where there's, there's always a, an element of self-doubt and an unknown of the path as you're you know, searching through the forest. When you're lucky enough to have someone to guide you through the path, then you're, you can easily have those, um, you can easily have, uh, have the evolution, the, the quick uh, evolution uh, process. Yeah. So I would say for me that I think I had a nice cooling energy that kind of it kind of was familiar to me. I said, oh, okay, 
here's a, a, a phenomenon that, that's coming up. I feel a sense of chill. I feel a sense of like coolness in that chill. Perhaps is that what he's talking about? That is familiar to me. Okay, well, if that's the right process, can I sustain that? And should I sustain that? And is it possible to, you know, interwork that through the whole body and also to sustain that feeling, which is what you said, is to try to sustain that cool feeling, which would help to bring the body temperature down, which would help to, um, I'm guessing, slow down heart rate, you know, right. produce that relaxation, also that serotonin response that you right. also um, uh, mentioned. One thing that I think was really interesting uh, for me was like, okay, when a lot of times, and I, and I put myself in like a, in the beginner seat. So I, so I put myself in the beginner seat and a lot of times in that beginner seat, you, you want the instant gratification. What, and we're so accustomed to instant gratification. And the mindset is, okay, here I go. I'm going to do this. What can I do for me? And how long does it take to kick in? And, and then, you know, how, do, how can I continue to access it? So I went through that mental process. And as I was doing that and going through the process, I realized, wait, like, I'm giving myself an opportunity and I'm spending time with myself to give myself like self-care. I'm using a technique to give myself self-care. I'm putting my hands over my body. Like who is going to care for my body the best way, you know, if not me. So it made, it gave me a mental shift. And I was like, whoa, hold on. It's like, I really need to have a sense of uh, mindfulness and attention and, and essentially like uh, care and love for myself as I pass my hands over my body, which was an interesting intellectual process. I think for me, when I'm searching for a physical phenomenon is an interesting intellectual process. Like, hold on, like, no one's going to come past their hands over me, you know, for care and for love and for healing and well-being. Like if I'm doing it, like I'm, I should be present to the utmost, you know, presence. Uh, yeah. So that was an int intellectual and, process. And all that is, is you're getting your mind right, you know, because you recognized, hey, I have some thought habits or thought patterns that aren't ideal. And then you recognize the solution to those thought habits and thought patterns is saying, hey, instead of thinking like this, let me think like this. And this is going to be in a better way for me. And that's all you did there. And that will keep happening. The more you notice, like, hey, this is kind of a weird way to think. And then you'll think there's like a better way to think about things, perceive things. And that's you finding what's good for you. You know what I'm saying? So you're honing your compass because the reality is, Javier, which you discovered yourself you were treating your body bad. You know what I'm saying? For you to make that discovery, you had to have been treating your body bad in the first place, at least in some kind of mental way, intellectual way of how you were regarding yourself. So you came to a place of compassion, self-love, self-care that you didn't have or experience before because you're activating not just the cool, but you're also activating the good as well. So when you're running that cotton ball, the cotton ball that you described, you're making the cotton ball, and you're running it through your body it's just a basic body tracing on the outside then the inside outside of the leg inside of the leg inside of the leg outside of the leg like you go like across the body that way inside of the arm outside of the arm just like that um i can i can put together an actual video that's proper and like break down how that looks 
for everyone. Um, but when you're doing that in that cotton ball, you're infusing a good feeling. And that feeling is not like, like high. It's not your euphoric high, but it will feel euphoric joy. And there's a difference there between being high and being in a state of joy. Because when you take something like, let's, let's use drugs, for example, Molly, right? Common street drugs for the kids these days. Take Molly at a concert and you feel an abundance of happiness and all this stuff, but you're high. It's not, it's not, um, it's, it's different than being good. If you catch what I'm saying there, like you can be, you want to be good. You don't want to be high because high is, if you stay on that level of, hey, I'm high and I feel really good and you're feeling good because you feel high, that will take you away from where you need to go the further um, you go along with um, a method like this because you'll get caught up in the highness and not really being paying attention to the true sensations like what Nona was talking about. And that true sensation, understanding what's true, what's not true is really important to, you know, knowing what's good and bad for your body and and when i was when i was growing up and i was a, a teenager and i remember within a, a a circle of friends you know we would we would hang out and we would drink and we would you know get high and have fun and then with another circle of friends we would also talk about how it's a it's a false happiness right that we were partaking in it was a false happiness so there was always that dichotomy what, what's your response to all this well not having experienced this particular practice and listening to your process I think it's you know and reading a lot of research about um, you know the benefits of self-care as well as um, what happens when you put your mind to something and that um you know, we talk about in Qigong that health is flow of energy, right? When the energy is able to flow through your tissues, there's communication happening, feedback, um, response, um, and not just any flow, but the, the right amount of flow for that particular situation at the particular time. Um, and I go to my learning from Dr. Yang and what could be happening when you engage in this cotton ball um, mental exercise, but also, you know, just guiding your hand along all of your, uh, your body like that. And you're definitely taking your mind. It's like a tool to take your mind through different parts. It's kind of like a body scan in some way. But I think what you said, Anoop, about that intention of care and love and nurturing and giving that to yourself. I think that's, and taking the time out of your day to do that. Um, I think that's really powerful, simple, but powerful. I mean, I personally like the way Javi really broke that down because for me, it actually took maybe four or five years with this method to come to that state of awareness that he's at now because I was so martial with things and so weightlifting oriented that I was like, come on body, you can do it. Don't be a, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's how I would, that was my relationship with my body. And one of the things Sifu Jones would tell me is you, you gotta, not in these words, but basically saying this is you gotta have a better relationship with yourself. 
because you can't be treating your body like that. You can't be abusing your body, even though your body can handle it. My my philosophy was, oh, my body's good for it. It's it's all right, even though it can handle it. Does it want to be handling that? Does it want to be doing that burden? Does it really want to be in that environment that you're forcing it to be in? Or does it want to be in a different kind of way? And what is that way? And for me, it took me a long time to really come to that understanding and make those switches. So it's really good to see Javier making that switch, knowing he's also a martial guy. He's coming to that place just off the bat and he's coming to that healing place and really caring and well-being for his body. Because when he is putting his mind with the with the chi of the cotton ball through his body, just passing it like that, what's happening is you're forming chi in place. So you're that cotton ball that you're making, you're taking energy and you're putting it into a shape and a form with qualities and textures. Textures meaning like cool and good feeling, like qualities and good textures like that. And you're running that energy through your body and that's interfering with your nerve fibers. So Nona, if you roll up your sleeve and just do this on your arm, do you, what do you feel? Touching or above the surface? Just touching, just stroke, just stroke your arm like that. Right. Can you can you feel you feel the register that happens there? Your body responding to your touch. Absolutely. That Absolutely. those are your those are your nerve fibers firing. That's your nervous system responding to the touch. That tingling feeling you get in response to the touch. That's your nerve fibers firing. So those nerve fibers are what you're building because the nerve fibers emit light, they emit sound, and they even emit time in a certain kind of way. That's more of an advanced concept, but they emit all of these things. They emit other things as well, but the nerve fibers have high functioning. Um, it's not just nerve potentials, although that's an important part. The nerve fibers emit energy. They're, they're live wires, there are circuitry. And it, we're talking about bioenergy. Well, what, what is energy? Well, we know photons are energy, right? The photons, the packets of light that come from the sun or from my lamps over here, photons are coming out and that's a form of energy. But another form of energy that I learned about through Sifu Jones was a phonon. A phonon is a packet of sound. So sound is coming out too. So when we when we're doing our qigong, a lot of us are just paying attention to the energy in the light way. What energy can we perceive with our mind's eye, like that kind of thing? And that's just the light. We're not actually listening to the sounds that we're putting into the energy. Even if we're doing the, a lot of, I did like the healing sound qigong and that kind of stuff, but I never paid attention to the sounds I was putting into my tai chi form. You know what I'm saying? What sound does my Tai Chi form have? What sounds can I make it have? That kind of thing. And what sound is ideal, of course, as well. So like all that kind of stuff, what sounds are we putting off? And that's energy too. The sun puts off sound and that, that energy interacts with the earth. The earth puts off sound. We put off sound. Javier is putting off a sound. Nona's putting off a sound. I'm putting off a sound. Um, some of the sounds we carry are the traumas of our past, you know? Every time we've screamed, that's stored somewhere in the sound field, if you get to what I'm saying. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's, 
is it's a complicated thing when you look at the energy, but it's also very simple because it's just a cotton ball. It's just a cotton ball. You're just making it good and you're just making it cool. And you're just running that through the body. We make it, it's very simple in the beginning. And then it gets to more advanced concepts and the exercises get more advanced too. So like, don't think that even though you'll feel good energy from this exercise, you'll get good energy from doing this exercise, from building up in this way. This is not, this is not the, um, the real builder. This is, this is just a precursor exercise to get you used to the energy, used to passing around form, that kind of thing. Awesome. Uh, this is Chi Talks, and I'm Javi, and I'm joined today with my co-host, Nona, making a cameo as we pre-record this show. And we're talking with um, Anoop, sharing with us the Yin Chi method. And um, I think I want to sort of unpack the uh, biophoton and maybe share a little bit about the science and then also the nerve fiber concept. So uh, for the listeners, so for me, in order to understand like the nerve fiber concept, I read a couple of, uh, I, I, list, I went on YouTube and listened to some of uh, Sifu Jones's uh, videos. Um, and then also, I think I read some things or maybe he said it on the, on the video, but one of the things that helped me understand the nerve fiber concept was uh, a pitcher and a kicker. So like a, a pitcher's nerve fiber, nerve fibers, on the throwing arm are gonna be more uh, abundant and built uh, in contrast to the non-throwing arm mm. because of all of the movement and the repetition of movement and the use that has been um, accessed. And so the nerve fibers that have been accessed as a result of all that use. So the arm of the, the, the throwing arm, would uh, ner the, the nerve fibers of the throwing arm are gonna be more uh, abundant in contrast to the nerve fibers of the non-throwing arm, similar to a kicker with their kicking leg. And I guess this yin chi concept is using your hand and the cotton ball method to build up the, the, the nerve fibers in, in, this, in, in this way, but through a different process. Right. And if you think about like Tai Chi or even just martial arts in general, the goal is to cultivate a balanced body, right? So a good martial artist, if you looked at their nerve fiber cultivation after a long period of time, like a black belt martial artist in whatever style, they would have a balanced, ideally a balanced buildup of nerve fibers all around the body, ideally. Um, now, this is a more direct way to get to that result of building balanced buildup of nerve fibers this will directly build the nerve fibers and you know it'll it'll balance your body um i used to have muscular imbalances that the tai chi helped me fix but i still had um, traces of them but when you sync with the energy it's completely unified because you're creating a unified body that way it's all it's all one piece it's all the right way at least energetically um Maybe not physically, if you don't train the physical elements, you still have to train physically to get the physical side of things. Um, but at least the energy is connected. So yeah, it is the nerve fibers, essentially it's, it's what's going through your nervous system. It's nerves that you heard your whole life, um, nerves coming from your spinal cord, all that kind of stuff. Those are nerve fibers. They're going into your arms. 
they are connected to every living cell. The nerve fibers are connected to everything in the body. Every, all the living cells, all the organs, all the processes, everything that happens in the body, nerve fibers are attached to that. And the energy that's going to the nerve fibers reaches everything. So with this form, you're passing that cotton ball through the nerve fibers and it's stimulating them. They're building in density. You're stimulating the quality of the energy that is flowing through your nervous system. You're making that a more good energy, um, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, and it, it, has, it has that effect on the body of building up the body, healing the body, um, healing the mind, all of that. Now the biophotons, they're um, all a biophoton is, is if you think about the photon from the light, right? The photons coming from the light. Well, a biophoton is a piece of light that my body's emitting. And the body emits biophotons on a very low level. It's low emission light. So if you've ever seen somebody's aura or anything like that, if you've seen an aura, if you've seen energy, if you've seen that's light wave, that's a light wave pattern. Um, that you're seeing so that's what a biophoton is it's it's a photon that emitted from the body due to a bioelectrical process that the body went through to release that photon so the cells release biophotons the, the nervous cells the nervous system cells release biophotons the skin cells release biophotons everything in the body releases biophotons and those biophotons, they actually have the capacity. Oh, there you go. Um, the, those biophotons actually have the capacity to hold memory. So they can hold memory um, about events, circumstances that they have. They have the ability to store memory. Um, and that may be one of the ways that the cells communicate with each other is through the memory and the information that they program. I don't know just one of the ways there's a lot of ways the cells communicate with each other through proteins and things like that but this may be another way and these are things we have to study and it's going to take time money and intention to study them i think um there's a great article on chienergyheals.com and i was just reading it um if people want to check out the measuring of biophotons there is a camera and uh, a paper that was published based on scientists trying to record biophotons as a as a process of proving that chi energy healing does exist there was a process through which uh, healers uh, did some work on plants plant matter that was cut in half and a chi healer um, they measured the biophotons of that plant from the plant from the leaves that were not being uh, given healing energy and some that were uh, given the healing energy and essentially they could see and they could record that healing energy so chienergyheals.com is a good place to to read about that well it makes me think about um, our one of your past guests we lost a few months 
and how the idea of fourth phase of water came up. Mm -hmm. And um, this is Gerald Pollack up in Seattle, and he's done award-winning work with water and how water has a uniquely has a fourth phase that it takes. So not just solid liquid gas, but it takes the form of a gel which is a liquid crystalline formation, especially around surfaces like um, the cell membrane. So around cell membranes um, and, um, and well, water attractive surfaces, water forms sheets that are kind of in crystal formation, but it's a loose one um, because of the nature of water. So it's not quite solid, but it's not quite liquid. It's gel and he calls it the easy exclusion zone layer because because of the purity of the crystal formations it pushes out any impurities and his graduate student accidentally brought in a source of light and that light caused the zone to grow and because of the charge of the zone what it provides the cell with your individual's body cell with is that it charges it it charges it with energy. So it create, turns the cell into more of a battery so that there's now an energy potential as well as a chemically pure protective layer for your body's cells. And this is all um, affected by light. And so it's really exciting when you talk about light within the body, we don't really talk about it, but through chemical processes and whatnot, you always are having um, you know, you look at the chemical equations of processes and there's always heat and light and heat is a form of light as well, we talk about. So your, your body is producing energy all the time and converting it and changing it. And, you know, the effect of intercellular and intracellular water and the relationship of that to your energy and then the power of the mind to travel through your body through the nervous system as well as the perineural system which we learned from a previous guest of ours donnie um I, we were intending to go more deep dive into perineural system but we never got to so we'll have to have him back on to talk about it the perineural system but it's a system that runs alongside of the nervous system that's less on or off switch energy because your nervous system is, is turned on or off depending on the amount of synapse connections and chemical changes. So the impulse goes down the fiber, but the perineural system that runs alongside all of your nerve fiber systems is part of that. And it does not go on and off on. It's definitely just experiencing the charge differences in your body and communicating um, more of a in-between cell to cell way than from brain to body kind of kind of pathway. So I think all of it is super intriguing, super interesting. It's both simple and cutting edge and complex. There's a lot of layers to it. And when Anoop, you talk about how the practice just goes deeper, the more you do it, it reminds me of my own Qigong practice with any set. All the sets are so simple, but the more I do them and with our students that we have online for classes, they've been with us now for a year, um, almost over a year, maybe two years almost. 
time flies, but the more you get into it, the layers of the exercise are unveiled. You know, it's like the same exercise, but it's a different exercise because of the approach and the way you engage with it. And I think that's the magic of Qigong, you know, is that once you get hooked and once you enter the practice and you can see how much you can do with it, it's just never ending and the constant process of growth and discovery and experimentation uh, within yourself and this and um, amazing subtle but significant moments in your own personal life I think. so how do we extrapolate all this into the uh, societal domain so the application to societies is like I was saying, um, in a society that feels good, there's not as much bad happening um, in the same way, at least. So what that looks like tangibly is, you know, if everybody has good energy because they're cultivating good energy all day long, there's not a lot to be bad about. There's not a lot to be in a bad way about um, just because you don't feel like being in a bad way. Like you feel you feel good. And that's how you feel. So why would you want to do something that is going to make you feel in a bad way? And it's really like, it's simple like that. There's, it's, it's almost like a kid. Like if a kid's having a good time, is he going to do something that's going to give him a bad time? He's not. Because he knows, hey, that's going to give me a bad time. And I'm having a good time right now. Um, you know, unless that kid has been corrupted by whatever um, abuse or whatever you want to call it. Um, to start thinking in a um, maleficent type of way or malicious malicious not the movie maleficent <laughs> malicious malicious type of way because you know when, when the kid gets corrupted he's gonna start thinking well I can have a good time by being bad but that's a result of the corruption because he innately feels bad to begin with so when you feel so good that all you want to do is do good things and be good in the world and create good and like that well, that's what I feel like when, when you introduce this, not even, it's not even the method, it's just the mindset more than the method. The, the method is really great, but the mindset principles, they transcend the method. It's the mindset principles apply. You can teach the mindset principles to somebody who knows nothing about the method. Just teach them the principle that, hey, if, um, if you do good things, good things will happen to you. You know what I'm saying? That's so, just so we got about five, we got about five or six minutes left. Um, you're developing some programs in the uh, healthcare field and then also in the business field. So how do you how do you uh, how tell us about these programs and how are you using the this uh, method? So I'm um, I'm in the process of cultivating or structuring a program for healthcare. Um, not necessarily I'm, I'm interested in incorporating like the tai chi and stuff like that too but i want to get them sold on the concept of having good energy and good relationships in the work environment so healing the workplace of the hospitals because the hospitals are um, high stress high energy um, high energy in a traumatic sense um, there's a lot of trauma going on in the hospital so every doctor, every nurse, every um, person in that hospital is operating on a highly spiritual level, whether they think about it or not. 
and they're dealing with a lot of energy all day long because they're dealing with sick energy they're dealing with illness and they have a way of protecting themselves from that energy they have a way of relating to that energy so this there's a lot of different ways that the energy can apply for the hospital field um for the business field it's it's really simple is like in sales the energy that you bring is the energy that you receive if you bring good energy to a client the client will bring good energy to you so what if you have a way to amplify your good energy and have an abundant store of good energy all the time well that's kind of the pitch there and the play there is introducing salespeople and entrepreneurs to how to have because positivity and good mindset is really big in the entrepreneurial world right now so i'm kind of piggybacking off of that wave and tying in we'll check out what good energy can do for you even more than positive energy or just mindset alone and to to state the obvious, I guess this is uh, in response to capitalism as we've come to know it, resource um, extrapolation and um, the consequences to the planet that have been, that we have seen unfold. It's, just a, it's a reaction to a parasitic mindset that I've seen in the world. You know what I'm saying? Because what you're talking about with capitalism, extracting the resources, all of that, it's parasitism. It's withdrawing, not caring for the host. We have to care about our host. We have to care about the planet. Um, if, you know, a parasite isn't, the goal of the parasite is to live in symbiosis with the environment, not in, um, if you're going to be a parasite, I'd rather humans not be parasites, but many humans do act as parasites, unfortunately, at least be in symbiosis with the environment and create a good environment. Let's start there. You know what I'm saying? I'm curious what Nona's response is because she teaches kids. And the idea here for me is like, okay, we lack so many skills that uh, help us or, or that uh, can alleviate this parasitic mindset, yet we're not given those skills. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I really like what method of feeling good is sustainable I guess it, it, you know to tie what you said into it I mean is that yeah. you know and and that's what it that's what it comes down to is the reason you parasite the reason you in certain circles they call it vampiring energy like you, you vampire someone's energy the reason you would do that take someone's energy is because you want to feel better you want to feel good and you feel good when you take someone's energy and you know that because you've done it before or you feel good when you do this thing or when you bully that person you get this feeling and it all a lot of that is dopamine not serotonin um I'm, that might not be 100 percent true but um like the dopamine fix responses that you get like tiktok we're on tiktok just constantly consuming um we're on facebook constantly consuming we're on youtube constantly consuming and if you're consuming good information that's great but if you're consuming negative information that's constantly harming you so what is a good way to constantly feel good produce energy that's good you know what i'm saying and if you have good energy going through your body all the time you're going to feel good so are you doing this this uh, cotton ball meditation exercise just kind of like any any time any place anywhere you need to 
sort of uh, recharge? Um, yeah, you can do it. So I do it as a routine every day. Um, I have other things I do in my routine, but I still do make time to do the beginner stuff as well. Um, I do that as a routine. Then anytime I need to charge, I can cycle it. And you can actually, once you get used to it, you don't need to do it. I mean, you still want to do it this way, but you can just do it with the intention and cycle it through the body. So anytime, if you're sitting in, in a place where you, it's kind of weird to go out and do this, you know what I'm saying? You can cycle it with the mind and still get the benefit. Like if you're in class, Nona, you can cycle it. Or if Javier on the train or a bus or something like that, you know what I'm saying? You can cycle it and still be right where you need to be. Well, we're, we got to close out the show here and um, I'm happy you were able to join us for this show. And uh, mm -hmm. I want to say thank you to Anoop for sharing us with this, sharing us this ENG method and also inspiring uh, a peace movement. And um, uh, you're very interested in sharing this with others. I know not just uh, in healthcare and or or in sales or business, but anyone who's interested in being involved in a in a I would say a peace a peace movement. And I think uh, given the fact that uh, we're currently ex experiencing the uh, possible precipice of uh, uh, you know nuclear war or World War Three, as people say. Uh, a lot of people want to know what it is they can do to contribute to peace on the planet. So I think this is one of the this is one of the methods. If you feel good, you'll go out and do good and 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 be good for others and share that positive energy. Yeah, um, if we got a million of people like us doing this kind of stuff, that's serious impact. All right, and if you want to, if you want to know more about this, and if you want to uh, try this, then you can contact us, talkingchi at gmail.com, talkingchi, talkingqi at gmail.com, and we'll share this with you. And uh, uh, hopefully, Anoop will produce this um, this this video. We'll share that with you and uh, produce a a global a global or contribute to the global peace movement. Yeah, Again, thank you. Thank you guys. And uh, we'll have you back on for part two and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll share again um, our experiences as we continue this uh, peace process. Cool. Thank you. Thanks so much, Anoop. Thanks everyone for listening.